0: Hey everybody and welcome to yet another episode of the Lowdown Society podcast. There's been a long break. Uh, I do these episodes when I can. There's been a lot of uh, stuff going on uh, here at the end of COVID shutdown, so to speak, with career and move and such things. Uh, But here I am back and the first guest back is Ashley Reeve, who is one of my best friends here in Las Vegas and are just a world-class player and an awesome human. So this episode is special because we got to hang out with her and her husband, Chris, one of my favorite drummers on the planet. So it's a twofer, as they say back in Nashville, Tennessee. I hope you all enjoy it. Ashley Reeve. We're here with uh, Ashley Reeve and Chris Reeve. Hi. I've decided that Chris, you're going to co host today. Maybe can,
1: <laughs> I love it. Fantastic.
0: Maybe you can ask your wife some uncomfortable questions in front oh, of the world. Boy. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. All right, I'll um, you. It's going
1: to make me squirm.
0: <laughs> well, anyone listening to this podcast has already probably read my little blurb where I explain who you are and all oh, yeah. that. But uh, the reason Chris uh, is here with us, except for being the husband, and the supporting player in today's podcast, (laughs) not the main act, uh, is that he's also a drummer. And so, you know, we like to hang out with drummers.
1: Absolutely. You're right.
0: Yeah. I knew of you, I think, right, I met Chris right after I moved to LA and we played at a few jams together. And he quickly told me about you. So I heard uh, so much about you before you and I met, which was that... The Nam show like two years ago I think. Yeah okay. But he told me all these stories of like (laughs) bass nerdery because he knew that I'd be like into it. Yeah. Without like being too nerdy well this is kind of too nerdy (laughs) but he told me because at the time I was playing Sandberg TM5 basses.
1: Oh yeah.
0: And he's like my wife has one it's such a good story I actually found it (laughs) and uh so let's start there.
1: Oh, my Sandberg Um, I was on, we we were both on tour, Chris and I, with um, Filter. Mm -hmm. And we were in, was it Sweden? We were in Sweden, Mm. of all places. And we happened to just walk into this really cute little mom and pop um, music store, which Mm -hmm. we always love to do and see what's what the local vibe is and they had these bases on the wall that kind of looked like fenders but had a little different logo and I was so curious what that was all about and I was like oh Sandberg I've never heard of them before and um, I just picked one up and it was what I call a unicorn base where the moment you put your hands on it it's just it plays itself mm-hmm. the action was set up perfectly the sound of it was incredible it was just such uh like finely tuned bass, and he played it. he was like my litmus test well let 's see if my my drummer husband can play it. he's actually a pretty good bass player as well. um I wanted to get his vibe, and he was like he sounds amazing, and I was like there's something special about this bass and um and we had had to go play a show, put it down, and everything walked out and and then uh i couldn't get it out of my head, and I ended up uh taking a photo. Thank goodness I did at the shop. I took a photo of the serial number, so I knew exactly which base it was. But um, I just couldn't get out of my head. So in within Europe, uh, there were so many other shops a- along our tour that actually carried Sandbergs. So what we did is we started taking taxi cabs to every local music shop that carried one. I was calling people like, do you have Sandbergs? I wanted to find out if that was a one-off or if every Sandberg felt that way. And what I found was they all played great, <coughs> but there was something magical about that one bass. So I knew it was, it was definitely a unicorn. So we ended up you know, ending the tour and everything, and by the time uh, we were heading home, I just said to Chris, I was like, I can't leave without that bass. So I just ended up calling them, like, do you still have this bass, this exact serial number? And they're like, yeah, we've got it. Sent me photos and everything, I was like, Perfect. Send it to my house. Mm. So by the time we were on an airplane home, they were sending it to me. So
0: the mom and pop shop in Sweden yep. sent you your bass to LA. Yep, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, and I still have it, and it's a fantastic bass.
0: What uh is there anything that you like? What did you end up using it for? Because I know you play other stuff mainly now, but did it get used for something substantial after it? It's a uh, lovely discovery.
1: Um, I just kind of used it for a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a versatile base. I think I used it a little bit for, for filter, and used it for anything that came up after that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was a TM Five guy up when I met Chris, so that's why he told me the story. Yeah, and I, yeah. Uh, they, yeah, they did. They were fantastic for me too. I've moved on yeah. and my tastes have changed, but yeah, they were too. all fantastic. Yeah. yeah,
1: it was. It had a really great little like place in my life, and and. You know, I was a Fender artist, so mm-hmm. I was always trying to be very loyal to them. So, you know, I was bringing mostly Fenders on tour to be photographed with and do promo stuff with. I like to stay true to my brand, you know, yeah. whoever it is. And right now I'm currently with Dingwall, which I'm just like, you know, head over heels in love with just for so many reasons. But, um but yeah, I've always been like very like loyal to my whatever the one brand is. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's something i feel um it's kind of like you know having a, a boyfriend like my base boyfriend is is dingwall you know yeah
0: <laughs> well that that is a good segue because i have seen uh promos with you for dingwall and i've just seen how present you are with a brand and it comes across like you really love it it doesn't come across like endorser doing their bit Mm-mm. it's like very heartfelt and, yeah. and great so uh for me being a gear nerd, I really, I think I've played one Dingwall, wall and it was yours. Like I literally had never <laughs> oh, put my yeah. hands on one in spite of how big they are now. They're a very successful brand. Yeah. And you know, I'm sort of a metalhead at times and they're super in, in that genre. They're like yeah. a big deal. Yeah. So I I know, I mean, I know what I've seen and I know the whole, I've seen interviews with, with Sheldon and how, yeah. how uh, the physics of it all works, but uh, again, I like to come at it from the sort of emotional aspect. So yeah. what was it so much that you loved about them that they'd become your base boyfriend? Um, cause that's a big deal.
1: Yeah. It's such a big deal <laughs> yeah. to, to sort of, you know, step away from a massive brand like Fender, which had, had been so great for me over mm-hmm. the years. Um, but we happened to be playing with Cher in um, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which who plays a gig there ever? like when are you ever in that part of Canada yeah. you know with such a rare opportunity and um, I knew that their factory was there and um, and I just happened to go to the factory and get to experience their you know their whole like Operation and meet Sheldon and their crew, and everyone we met there was so amazing. I was actually there with Jerry Barnes, an incredible bass player. Mm-hmm. And he was playing for um for Na Roger and Sheik. And, and it was just such an amazing experience to get to go and experience him playing on these beautiful Dingwall basses, and he was just like Making these basses sound the best they'd probably ever sounded yeah, in I can their see existence. That. You know? It's a che-
0: Cheeks bass player. Oh yeah, my gosh! Guy. Yeah, play Mastodon riffs.
1: Exactly. Oh my gosh, he's just like an incredible like slap bass player. So I'm just like falling in love with these basses through Jerry, and um, and I just fell in love with the brand that day. Mm-hmm. Sheldon was amazing, just super generous. He's like, you know what? Why don't you just pick out a couple basses and take them on the road with you? And I was like, really. And he was he was let me take one that night and I basically took it home, played it as much as I could in my hotel room mm-hmm. just to get it under my hands because I'd never played a multi-scale neck yeah. bass before. And it is a little bit of an adjustment to, mm-hmm. you know, just to kind of throw at you. So the show was the next day and I played it and it was great. Oh, and great. honestly that bass was like the most powerful bass I'd ever played. It had Um, I think like three pickups and two nine volt batteries. It was like driving a Ferrari, you know? And so I actually had the volume set to like two, like Mm -hmm. the onboard volume Mm -hmm. because the pickups were so hot. Um, they're like, that's way too much power. And I was like, wow, when do you ever get told with a base that you've got too much power. So I had, I had it dialed back quite a bit, but I was just so impressed with the feel the craftsmanship, the power, and then on top of all of that, this, you know, the, the brand themselves, like Sheldon, you mm-hmm. know, falling sort of in love with the man who created it all was, mm-hmm. I think, a big part of it. You know, it, like, human beings don't get a whole lot nicer than Sheldon Dingwall. So um, that was just, it was it for me. I was like, all right, this is my brand, you know, and then next thing I knew, they were helping me design a custom Five string bass, which was amazing and one of my favorite basses. Is
0: that your green one?
1: It's yeah. It's, it's Dino actually, green. Yes, exactly. It's the uh, it's like candy apple green and yeah, it yeah, looks yeah. almost black. Okay. And it's such a beautiful bass and it sounds incredible. It feels like butter. You played it before, Um and I actually have an, a, another bass. Did you play my combustion bass?
0: No, I did not.
1: Oh, oh my gosh! We're gonna have to do that. You'll oh, yeah. have to feel it. It's yeah. so great. And I just I like the idea of having all of the features and and the feel and everything that I had with my passive bass, but in active form. So that combustion bass has all of that, but like the horsepower as well. So
0: my follow-up question then is, one of the first thing that Chris told me about you, about like, oh, I love playing with my wife, she always has like this really warm, wooly old school sound, like a lot of times. That's what you said, yeah. I think when we first met. Yeah. And, so, Dingwall is associated with the opposite.
1: Totally the opposite. So, yeah. you
0: playing them, like, did you feel like you sounded like you when you played it that first night? Did you get that woolly,
1: pretty much
0: Ashley Reeve warmth?
1: I had to just be strategic, strategic about it, and I pretty much dialed back the treble and the mid all the way down. Okay. So, it was just like, get rid of all that top, and it's just like this tubby, yeah. thumpy, fuzzy warm sound but just so much power behind it and uh yeah and i you know i pre- i play pretty close to the neck sometimes almost on top of the neck mm-hmm. like so far up so that it's like uh just that warm sound and between like where i was playing on the bass and the way i'd had it EQ'd i totally got my sound like without it, that's not trying very hard you know all mm-hmm. i had to do was just beep 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 done Which was great that I didn't have to like fuss over it, you know.
0: What was the comments from your front of house who had been used to (laughs) a?
1: (laughs) Well, it was. I think it was so much more power than he had expected. Yeah. (laughs) I think the front of house guy had said something like, "Don't ever play that bass again." (laughs) Wow. But I think you won. Yeah, basically. Because they'd gone from me playing these really passive like Fender P basses Mm -hmm. to that bass, it was literally the opposite end of the spectrum. But um, the basses basses I'm playing now would be totally perfect because they're passive, and Mm -hmm. they get that really old-school vintage sound, Mm -hmm. and I think it would just fit in perfectly.
0: You discovered the the brand while you were Mm. out with Cher. So I have not seen you play with Cher in person, Mm. Sadly, I hope I get to soon. But what I'm thinking about her is she's one of those amazing act, just like like American legends like Ray Charles and Elvis Presley, where they don't have a genre, right? She's yeah. not a pop singer or a gospel singer or a. She's an, she's just Cher. So she yeah. she sings ABBA songs now, and she yeah. sings yeah. bluesy songs, and she has like you know, a techno hit, yeah. you know, that everyone knows, sort of yeah. technically clubby. So. Yeah. For you playing a gig with that many genres mm. which first of all must be freaking awesome. It's second so much fun. second of all, how do you navigate that as far as uh your gear, your technique? Do you just sort of keep your sound throughout the genres?
1: Yeah, I do. I usually have um like one or two basses I'm using with Cher in particular because she's got a few different tunings. We'll have like standard and then we'll have like a drop down mm-hmm. um tuning. So um, as far as that goes, it's pretty straightforward. I'm trying to keep all the levels similar between the two different bases. Um, I'm not really messing with anything that much EQ wise. I might just have like a little like pickup switch. Mm-hmm. And that's probably as far as I go. Because I yeah. feel like so much of it is in your hand. Oh totally. So it's literally like, okay, if this song is like a more disco, like bright song, then I'm gonna play it further back on, mm-hmm. you know, the, the bridge and mm-hmm. just have it like be a little bit more bright. If it's more of like a like a ballad, something that's a little more like warm and, and soft Mm -hmm. then I'm going to be playing higher up on, you know, the bridge or on the, um, towards the neck Oh. and just kind of, so yeah, I feel like I'm basically like, um, you know, molding my sound almost on my hand placement Mm -hmm. and then how I play it like with my fingers. Like sometimes I play almost like. It sounds weird, but almost like on the side of my finger because you just get a little bit more of like a meat yeah. sound rather than a callus like nail, nail. You
0: know, yeah. yeah. So awesome, awesome thing. Then again, I see you have nails now. When you're I do on, when yeah. you're on tour, are they like? Boy short or no?
1: Um, It depends on the band. Because mm. with filter, it's a, it's all like picked sound. Mm-hmm. But I don't like using picks that much. Oh, wow. So I, I actually just grow out my nails and use them like a pick. Mm. And I just do like a double stroke kind of thing. So if it's da-da-da-da-da-da-da, da i am just going da 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 like da 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 And basically, like, that's my technique.
0: That's <laughs> so super interesting. It looks
1: really weird when I'm playing. It looks... um. I, someone once dubbed it the flipper. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so that's basically like my built in pick. Yeah. But then if I'm playing on the road with someone like Cher, I don't really need that sound per se, so I'll have my nails shorter.
0: Wow, that's a trip. I mean, the, the, the flipper. <laughs> the flipper. Yeah, we might have to take like a quick cell phone video of that yeah. that I can post because you did a great little totally. demo. <laughs> It's just so great that you found a way to incorporate your nails and because you don't yeah. like a pick, it's like... It double. was my
1: little workaround. Yeah. And I mean, maybe that was like sort of like a lazy workaround, but for me, it just worked. I just don't like the feeling of having a pick. I never liked it. I tried to work on it and it just wasn't for me. And I figured out another way to get that same sound.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. The share gig, since we're on it, how long have you been on that now?
1: Um, coming up on four years now. Okay. Yeah.
0: And how did it come Although about? Although last year, like,
1: seems yeah. like it barely counted because yeah, we were right. all, like, you know, in our homes.
0: Yeah. How? So how did that come come about? And that's, like, the cliche, how did you get the gig questions? Yeah. Towards?
1: Um, It was actually a really cool situation, and it, goes, it actually goes back to my buddy, Eva Gardner. Okay. So we went to the same high school, and we didn't go at the same time, but we attended, um, like, I think she was graduated one year and I was entering so we were in the same circle of friends we had a lot of uh, friends in common and we sort of like followed each other's careers over the years and she had uh, put my name forward to the music director so Mm -hmm. when she got busy with pink Mm -hmm. my name came up and um, I just actually I'd I'd done a, a auditioned for Lionel Richie one time and and the music director for Cher was on that gig at the time so he'd seen me already play so he had me kind of in the back of his mind Mm -hmm. obviously I didn't get the Lionel thing but um but the guy who did was amazing so I was in the back of his mind and um he just ended up giving me a call and being like hey do you want to do the share gig like I didn't even have to audition it was really nice to just get a phone call and be cherry picked and be mm. asked to do it because I'd been recommended by both Eva and Mark Schulman had also put in a good word for me and, yeah yeah I just got handed the music and you know I went to actually went to Eva's house and played through everything in front of her which was kind of cool that she was willing to like sit down with me and like walk me through anything I had questions with because um, that was my first gig doing electric bass, upright bass, and synth bass. I'd never mm. played key bass before. So I pretty much, like, wiped out, like, a a month of my life and just booked out just for learning that set cold, like, forwards and backwards. And becoming more familiar, like, doing keyboard parts because I'd never done that before. So, yeah, it was kind of cool to have have her kind of hold my hand through that and just make sure I knew what I was doing. And by the time uh, the rehearsals for Share came up, we ran it one time and it felt amazing. And mm-hmm. it was like, oh my God, this is so great. And then uh, I think we had like a lunch break, came back, did it one more time. And it was like, this is, this show is ready to go. Mm-hmm. Just felt great.
0: Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So in those four years, uh, there's been a lot of Vegas work.
1: Right. Yeah, we
0: do a bunch of residencies here. Yeah. So, as far as that goes, is it uh, comparative to touring for your for your? Because I'm sort of doing my first residency in Vegas yeah. now, as yeah. you know, and it's like very small scale. So, mm-hmm. doing a, a full scale, full production Vegas residency compared yeah. to touring, from your little bass player perspective, sort of, how do you do? You prefer it, or do you find it? Are there any challenges or benefits?
1: I really fell in love with it because we were, we got like really nice, um, like a suite, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone in the band who was in from out of town was staying at a a nice little suite. And, um, it, it was just nice to not have to be on a bus or an airplane every night. Mm -hmm. So there was that aspect of it that I really enjoyed. Um, and it was for me it was a new city i hadn't really spent a whole lot of time in vegas so Mm -hmm. it was nice to kind of get to play three times a week and have all these days off to go explore like what's vegas all about and kind of experience this Mm -hmm. new city and uh we usually do like three weeks at a time so you really get to know a place Mm -hmm. you know in those three weeks and i just loved it you know we were like our we would do our little sound check during the day and then we would be home by like 10.30 or 11. Because mm-hmm. it was kind of an early show. It was so nice to be home by like 11 every night. You know, mm-hmm. it's like very yes. rare for us as as touring musicians where like it's a very late night by the time yeah. you get on the bus, you know. Yeah. So that was really nice. Um, but of course, like that the whole touring thing is so... It's like its own beautiful beast because you get to see the world and on your days off, you get to go see places and experience things you've never seen or done before and eat good food and make new friends and Mm -hmm. all those beautiful things you get to do when you're on tour yeah so I love them both I don't like prefer one over the other I think well now this is home like I fell in love with Vegas so much I was just like you know what I talked to Chris and I was like we don't really have to leave because he would come with me during the residencies sometimes and he would have gigs here too and uh, we just said we don't really need to leave the city just kind of fell in love with it and then discovered the housing market was like insane like you can actually afford a nice home like a three-bedroom two two-bath home for the same price that we were paying for our one-bedroom apartment in Los Angeles yeah. like, our mortgage was basically the same thing we were paying for a teeny tiny apartment in LA
0: So the L.A. thing, and this is sort of what, what, I don't know if I told, no, I think I told Chris the other day, this is like one of my sort of big things I've been wanting to talk to you about. Yeah. L.A. obviously is a place that people from all over the world, uh, musicians from all over the world come to, to work with the best people or on the biggest gigs or whatever. So I can't imagine like growing up there Mm -hmm. from a musician perspective, being close to like the world's most famous session scene and being close to some of these clubs that are uh, famous and you and Eva Gardner going to the same high school. Like Mm -hmm. that is pretty exotic. I I mean, this is not a big podcast, but I do have a fair bit of listeners in like Germany and Australia and stuff like that. So I bet they can't imagine just like growing up in LA as a musician
1: yeah i guess it's one of those funny things that you don't think too much of because it's all you, know, you that's, know that's my point i was like <laughs> i'm so curious
0: how that works in your it's, brain
1: it just was home for me you know it was like a wonderful place to grow up to grow up i i grew up a little bit outside of la and i would take the train into high school mm-hmm. every every you know five days a week it was um maybe like half an hour train ride mm-hmm. so um yeah i wasn't that far outside of la and um once I started to, once I was old enough to drive, you know, I I would gig in downtown LA or wherever the gigs were in Santa Monica, and um and I eventually got really into um like Latin music. I was really mm-hmm. into the Latin scene. I thought that I wanted to be a salsa bass player, mm-hmm. and you know, I did four years at Cal Arts. Like that was my focus while I was there. Mm-hmm. I was really into the whole like Afro Cuban and salsa scene. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for me, that was like a big part of it was just sort of cultivating um, my foundation for what I thought was going to be a career in Latin music.
0: That's super interesting. (laughs) Because that would be something that uh, you couldn't really do in a lot of cities. Like, Mm. definitely the right place for that.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And on that note, I remember something Chris told me. I think I might be wrong, but early on, um uh, you have worked on a tv show right like, oh yeah yeah it and, was
1: uh it was called Los Noches con mm-hmm. and it was hosted by um it is all in spanish and um unfortunately i don't speak spanish um i should i'm mexican and puerto rican but i didn't learn growing up i didn't really get spoken to in spanish so i didn't um, pick up the language i know a little bit you know mm-hmm. i can like understand how to like order my food at a re- Mexican restaurant yeah. if I have to. Yeah. But um, yeah, that show was really cool because it was kind of my first experience um, doing like bump in and bump out, you know, for mm-hmm. like a, a TV show, like doing these um, quick little snippets, you know, like you're doing some little, um, it's all charted and it's like da 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 It's like, oh my God, you really have to have great reading chops. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was like one of those like aha moments like oh my gosh it going to school and learning how to read was all worth it you know yeah so yeah i think that was a it was a great experience just to kind of like sharpen my tools and and uh put my reading to use you know it was kind of cool
0: so now that you've done a lot of rock and pop tours where it's a lot like here's the music it, uh do you find your reading chops are still like there
1: oh yeah actually you know what it's so funny i'm um, I've been appreciating a lot more recently because we've um here in Vegas there's such a huge like cover scene and when you're charting and learning songs I've found that like read being able to read makes charting a lot faster, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and being able to like play an idea and then write it down, I'm like I'm not gonna remember that and I can just literally verbatim write out whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know. Um which doesn't always translate if you have to play it in a different key you know like I've been trying to work on the Nashville system which you helped me with which was really cool um so I'm I'm trying to like uh sort of um translate you know trying I'm basically trying to take the Nashville system and my like handwritten very Mm -hmm. verbatim system and like meld those two worlds together so I have a chart that I could easily transpose to something else, but still an idea that I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, you know?
0: what a, Yeah, that's incredible. If, you, you get, if you're that fluid of a reader where you can read TV charts like no problem right yeah. off the bat, and then you have the Nashville thing, that's insane because, yeah, you're going to be able to just anything. Yeah, yeah, that's, I hope that's, so. <laughs> I find that to be a very uncommon sort of combo. Mm. I mean yeah so that's cool.
1: I'm just, I mean I feel like it's one of those things you're always working on and, and it is something that like, you have to use or you lose it, you mm-hmm. know but um one of my favorite things I always talk about this like i would if I felt like I needed to like brush up my chops, I would like read the book from Evita mm-hmm. which is like in all kinds of different like uh, you know time signatures and key changes and and it's a really tough read unless you know you kind of know what you're doing. So, yeah, that, that that was, like, one of my favorite ways to practice and mm-hmm. kind of get my chops happening again. Yeah. I felt rusty. Yeah. You know? But um, but now it's easy. I just look... We've got, like, really great... Um, I use a program most people uh, might know about already called Four Score, mm-hmm. And I just am able to, like, on my iPad, just easily reference, like, um, whatever song someone may call on a gig. It could just mm-hmm. be, like... Because here there's so many... Um, request gigs and you know it's like you have to be able to fly by the seat of your pants and if someone's going to you know request like welcome to the jungle and you can't remember off the top of your head how it goes Mm -hmm. it's nice to just be able to like you know search for it and if I've got a chart for it it just pops right up Mm -hmm. and it's nice to be able to just you know fly by the seat of your pants and still feel in control.
0: So you playing on, based on TV shows and for a big rock band and big pop acts. So how did the whole, like you being like a bass nerd and maybe being in <laughs> bands in high school or like, yeah. how did sort of, how did that transition happen? Were you in high school? Were you like a, in a bunch of bands or were you already like, I'm going to learn how to read and be like side person. Like what was your, what was your vibe getting into the pro world from your school growing up world?
1: Well, I got really lucky um, at a really young age. My my earliest ben- base mentors were having me sub for them. Mm-hmm. So I was like working really at a young age, like reading charts. Um, so that really helped me sort of just, and, and we're doing t- tons of different genres between the Latin stuff, jazz stuff. Like I got, got a degree in jazz, mm-hmm. which is hilarious because it's probably the genre I use the least of. But, um, but it's great to have that background, you know, mm-hmm. I think we, we use the theory from all of that for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was nice to have like a, I guess, you know, I played in, I played in a, an orchestra, I played upright in an orchestra. Um, it was nice to have all of that, you know, on my, in my tool belt, I felt like it was a good, well-rounded education to kind of attack a little bit of everything. I feel like so many of us in the base world, like you have to be able to say yes to anything, mm-hmm. to be able to do anything. Mm-hmm. And even though I thought I was gonna go into like the Latin world, um, I kind of felt like it didn't fit in because it had like a little bit of like a machismo vibe. And like, I didn't speak Spanish. I was female, I was really young. I wasn't playing like on, a, on an upright baby bass at the time. I was just using like an electric bass. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of felt like odd man out. So I sort of like migrated into like singer songwriter world and then that sort of developed into like rock world and that developed into pop world and that's kind of like where, like the world I've been living in ever since. And it was, it was all just sort of like a natural progression.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, the other names, that one can Google and find is, uh, obviously we already mentioned filters, so let's, let's hop on that one. That's like, uh, how did that come about?
1: <laughs> um, oh, um, there was actually, so Richard was specifically looking to fill the bass chair with a female, mm-hmm. and he, the first bass player he called was Nicole Fiorentino, Mm -hmm. who's my friend, uh, female bass player friend who lives in LA. She's awesome, super sweet lady. And uh, it didn't pay very well, you know, Filters kind of notorious or not paying well, but it was like an awesome gig, you know, it was like, it was was fun. It it was this rock gig that it's very nostalgic, like looking back and like hearing like, hey man, nice shot, you know, when when I got the call and they're like, hey, we want to know if you want to join Filter. I honestly at the time didn't even know that Filter was still around. Mm -hmm. And I was like, You mean like filter? Hey, hey man, I shot filter. And they're like, yeah. I was like, uh, okay. You know? And and I just figured I've got nothing to lose. It will be really interesting. And I try to, like, take every opportunity that comes my way that's maybe worth doing and getting something out of. And that's where I met my husband.
0: This I'm aware of. So, (laughs) it's... I don't think I've ever, like, asked, like, personal questions on a podcast because I don't ever have a couple on here. But... Yeah. But... When he first told me that he met his wife, and she's a bass player, on a tour, I was instantly thinking, like, this might be such a weird question, but I was instantly thinking, like, did the, did the rhythmic connection that happened, like, did the pro connection, like, facilitate the personal connection, or the other way around, or is that a thing? I wouldn't, I wouldn't know.
1: Um, we started off just as buddies, because we were both freshly out of other relationships. And I remembered, like, telling myself, like, I'm not going to date anyone in this band. Like, especially drummers, they're just trouble. And then he was just the nicest guy on the planet. And, like, all of a sudden, we're just doing everything together. And it was just, like, this totally natural progression. We were just kind of, like, best friends, you know? And our chemistry on stage was pretty great. And just, you know, coming into a band where, like, it just feels... Like, you've known each other for a really long time. Like, you've played together for, for a really long time. It was just very natural. And then, you know, we... It all kind of happened quickly. We were both trying to be really professional. We're like, we're not going to, like, be that couple that, like, ends up dating on the road. Because we wanted... To, neither of us wanted to lose our jobs, you know? Yeah, right. Um,
0: or piss off the other band members. Or just yeah, it just we didn't want it to
1: be awkward for anyone, you know? And everyone could see it before we did mm-hmm. we were i think we were both like a little bit in denial and everyone else was just like you guys clearly have a thing going on like they could see it in like photos that we were like taking together
0: my mom said something before we even hooked up she said we, we took a photo outside that philly cheesesteak place <laughs> That's right we were always in gyms in philly <laughs> mm-hmm. just literally two people taking a selfie next with yeah. each other. And your mom slid in your weren't, DMs? Weren't touching, weren't nothing. Yeah. Mom slid <laughs> totally into the did. DMs. She was like, What's going on with with you and, and that girl? I'm like, What do you mean? We're not even touching in the photo. Yeah. She you could just see it.
1: He was electric.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so on the pro end of that question then were you guys, did you guys show up on the gig at the same time or no?
1: The same day. Oh. Yeah.
0: So you were fresh rhythm. We were, That's a big change yeah. in a band. Yeah.
1: I, I Actually, everyone was. The guitar player, um, drums, and bass. So the main like rhythm section, we were all brand new. The only one who was um, a former member was the keyboard player, Bobby. And uh, it was just him and Richard. Richard mm-hmm. is... Filter. yeah um it's sort of been a revolving door over the years but it's always been richard so him and bobby together and then they absorbed us and that and was a great experience i'm so glad we got to do it at some point it was like you know what it's not about the money it was just about the experience like we had a great time playing these crazy rock shows it was so fun to get on stage and play like really heavy music and headbang and you know, wear crazy eye makeup and you know dress a little bit like more edgy and just fun. You know. Yeah. I'm I'm super grateful for that.
0: A far cry from the budding salsa based. Totally, right? I
1: know, and I I realized I was like, man, I'm like a total rocker at heart, and I just needed a band like that to kind of figure it out.
0: That's awesome. How long did that last? Um,
1: 2015. When was our last gig? 2000.
0: I feel like you were still doing shows with them when you and I first started working mm-hmm. together, Chris. Yep. Yeah. It was
1: like three or four years, because I I had done like a couple years ago, like a wrestling event. <laughs> I think that was like the last show I ever played with them. It was like a um, it was like a pro wrestling event. And I think it might have been. It was either two thousand eighteen or two thousand nineteen. But yeah, that was the last time I played with them. I miss it, honestly. I mean, just. For nothing else than just playing a loud rock show. Oh, so that was like
0: fly gigs and there's an SVT behind you waiting. Totally, to totally. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, it was Aguilar. Yeah. All Aguilar gear, yeah. yeah, the 810 fridge, yeah. you know, and just like having a fun time just going out there and, you know, just putting on a rock show. You don't get to do that as often anymore, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. CeeLo Green is also a thing. What's a thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And he's another one kind of like Cher where he had so many genres. He had like a Motown thing and he has like the thing that made his experience um, so cool is that CeeLo's a big fan of every genre. He's a fan of metal. Mm-hmm. He's a fan fan of Motown. He's a fan of, you know, a little bit of everything. Like the guy is so well-rounded as a writer that that was a really cool thing to inject into the shows we got to do a little bit of everything Mm -hmm. so it was another one of those shows where i felt like this is the most fun show ever because i'm getting to like rock out with these incredible girls over here and then like have like a a more vintage side as well and Mm -hmm. do some of that more like old school stuff
0: yeah i can see that being a pretty base intense gig like it definitely
1: was yeah yeah. how
0: was how was preparing for that same type of situation as Cher only without the former bass player we had, your hand
1: or... we had a lot more rehearsals yeah um we were on stage more as like with Cher we are more like it's almost set up like a musical so you're almost part of like the pit you know mm-hmm. like the on stage pit you know you're not really you're sort of tethered to your like one little area Mm-hmm. Uh, the guitar player gets to like walk around a little bit, um, mm-hmm. uh, but that's mostly it. Most of the rest of us are kind of like in our little space, and uh, with CeeLo, he it's a it's a it's, it was just a big like um, big stage with a lot of room to walk around with like wireless packs, and we get to do a little bit of like kind of cheesy dancing, you know, and, like. It was a girl band, and we were just up there um, putting on a little rock show. It was pretty fun.
0: So it's interesting. Uh, you, you said it was a girl band, so he was specifically looking for that. And yeah. earlier you mentioned yeah. that another situation that you were in, they were looking for a girl bass player. Is that is – that, you find <laughs> – yeah. I, I find, first of all, and thing I mentioned is since I've lived in L.A., which is now close to four years – I find that the like, resurgence of like, female bass players in L.A. is so inspiring.
1: Mm.
0: Not that sex matters, and it should never have, but yeah. it have, and there mm. hasn't been enough. That's yeah. just what it is, right? Yeah. And I find a lot of female bass players not only play with less ego. I'm totally making a generalizing statement from what I feel. Very personally. You can hate me in the comments. Uh, but like, there's less ego. Sometimes there's deeper groove because of a commitment to music rather than showing off a lot. Mm. And I also find a lot of the females are just way more uh, forward with their look and their moves on stage. There's like, I'm going to be the chick that I am when I'm like going out to the club. I'm just going to do it at my job. <laughs> and then as a guy, I go, well... I love that shit. That I want in on that shit, you know. So that's just what I have experienced. Some yeah. there coming from Nashville, that have some really fine female bass players, but not at all the same level of. Look at me! I want to blow you out the water, motherfucker. Type thing, you know. Quite frankly.
1: Yeah, interesting. So, but
0: you have definitely, uh, you have been in a few situations where it was they were looking specifically for female musicians.
1: Every major pop gig I've had. They were looking for a female mm-hmm. specifically. So, and you know, it's funny when people are like, "Do you ever feel like, um, you know, it's it's tougher as a w- woman in a man's world?" Which is a funny question to be posed, but mm-hmm. um, it kind of has worked out to my advantage. And not to say that you certainly cannot rest on the fact that you're a female alone, because oftentimes, you know, you may show up to a cattle call of all women. But there was like 50 of you. Mm-hmm. So you can't, it's not just you got the gig because you're female. It's that that was how you got in the door, but you had to be able to play the parts. You had to have, you know, um, you have to bring it still. It doesn't mean that, you know, that, that was your ticket in. So, um, yeah, I guess it's, it's one of those funny things where it's worked out for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't say that it's ever um, been tough in that way. Getting the gig has always been. Um, you know, I guess if you're you're getting asked to do the audition because you're female, you're instantly cutting off half of the competition. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Yeah, but I also noted you said earlier that the the salsa scene when you were in it had a fair bit of machismo, in addition to yeah. you not speaking Spanish and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that also was on my mind when I asked that question, yeah. like. it's so nice that it worked out to your advantage when sometimes it's like, yeah, this is not the vibe. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that was such a disappointment too, because I was so excited about it and I was very passionate about that Mm -hmm. style. And now it's kind of like, I don't, I feel like I'm a different person. I'm a lot more confident and I, I feel like I wouldn't let that get me down, you Mm -hmm. know? And I feel like I would have approached those situations differently. Um, I think I would have injected a little bit more of myself into those social, Mm -hmm. like, you know, fragments and tried to make more of a point to to be included and let them know that this was really important to me but um but that's all right because everything happened the way it was meant to obviously but um yeah i just it, I, it's like i don't want to say that i feel like um i've got an advantage because i'm female i don't think of it that way because we're all there's there's a really wonderful community of female bass players in LA. Mm-hmm. There's a really wonderful little community of bass players here in Vegas that I'm just starting to get to know. So there's still like a fair bit of, you know, competition, I guess, you know. Um uh, but it's also a really great community, yeah. you know, and you really get to support one another. And I always try and do my best, if I can, to like sub as much as I can to other female bass players because we really like We've got to have each other's back, yeah. you
0: know? Love that. Yeah. So, that was so awesome, because as you're answering that question, I go, next question is going to be about, like, present day. Like, what's Vegas like to work in when you're not playing with share And you just brought up already mm. that... You are currently getting to know more wonderful bass players here. and Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know the full answer to this question, but I've talked to you guys a bunch because you guys have been like, you need to be here more. And gigging here, even on bar level, is a wonderfully satisfying and, and valid thing to do. And you should do more of it. That's what you've told me. Yeah. So how has that been for you? And Chris, feel free to pop yeah. in.
1: You, go ahead. You start it.
0: <laughs> Give the drummers song yeah oh, I've, I've been loving it yeah and since since this year we went to Australia for a few months and then since we landed, I was until recently averaging nine shows a week yeah. um, seven days a week, nonstop. I did it for two months and I got real burned out <laughs> yeah. but it was awesome i've never worked that much in my life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was, it was and this really is. Cool. Semi coming out of a pandemic too, right? Yep. Which is nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, now that you said you've been doing nine shows a week at the end of a the pandemic, there's going to be a bunch of drummers because their bass player friends are going to tell them they listen to this podcast and the drummers said this and now they're coming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So everyone in Vegas, you can blame me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah this is definitely one of those cities I felt like it sprang back from the pandemic a lot quicker than we expected. hmm you know, so it's nice just to have the live entertainment scene really thriving already. You know, it's not quite where it was before, but it's getting there. Yeah.
0: So bass player wise, here have you? Uh, what What's the scene like? Do you find that there's a lot of like? What's the What's the general vibe here with most of the bass players? Are they? sort of coming from a rock background or do you see a lot of like Funk RB and here or what Just sort of... Everything yeah. here.
1: This, everything. Because this is such a melting pot. You know, it's like everyone's come from all over. Like there's... I've only met like this many people that are from here. Mm-hmm. Everyone's an import. Yeah. Everyone's from somewhere else. The LA scene or the Nashville scene. You know, it's like they've come here to do big shows you know to do these like um you know the blue man group or whatever it is you know there's all these great circ shows and and it's got its own almost like broadway-esque type thing you know Mm -hmm. people come here for entertainment and also there's a million casinos and there's a million lounges and every lounge has a band yeah there's so much work here and
0: a lot of the lounge bands here are great like the virgin hotel where i'm working now and you guys too Mm -hmm. a lot uh they have a tiny lounge, and the band that I normally plays so there will play there this weekend. But half that band is like Enrique Iglesias' band,
1: exactly, mm-hmm. and
0: they're out with him right now. So yeah. there's all subs down there. But yeah, and and they are, you know, they're 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 loving it off yeah. tour. So it's a yeah, yeah,
1: and that's the thing is that there's a lot of work to be subbed out here because mm-hmm. everyone is from other bigger things, and so there's always a lot of work being passed around. And I just love that part of it is that i get a feeling here that um the gigs aren't like no one's like as precious about it here Mm -hmm. whereas like i felt like in la any gigs that anyone got it was like we're clinging to it and like it was just something to like you know hold on to and not let go and here it's like there's enough work going around it's a lot more fluidity Mm -hmm. you know um so it's nice to be able to like you know i can sub for you or i can Mm -hmm. go do the totally random thing over here i can you know, like, Sunday nights are, like, a country night. It's, like, there's a little bit of everything here. So, it's it's a really good thing to be well-rounded here and be able to say yes to anything, mm-hmm. you know, any style. And a lot of it is covers, and you get good at doing loads of different covers, whether it's, uh, you know, funk and R&B or rock or classic, mm-hmm. you know. You just... It's kind of uh, sharpened my belt as, as far as, like, um, sharpened my tool. It just kind of reminding me how to play everything Mm because it's easy when you're playing with an artist to kind of get tunnel vision you're playing like the same set every night and you sort of forget how to be a musician in a way i know it sounds terrible but you you forget how to be creative and how to sort of let go and, and let your hair down and be okay with taking risks because you're playing the same thing every night you know and i feel like the we have a little cover trio here that we play together in and i never know what we're going to play and that kind of terrifies me mm-hmm. and that's why it's such a great exercise because whatever we're doing that night it there everything's like an audible we'll play things completely different style wise we'll like more things will have these great little medleys and it all happens spontaneously so you never know what you're gonna get Mm -hmm. it's always a little bit like oh my god what are we gonna do and and it just happens organically it's a little bit like magic Mm -hmm. you know and i love that um, we get to do that and not care that much there's a level of sort of um just letting go of control yeah, it's, because, cer-
0: it's certainly not TV bumpers, right? You know, it has totally. to be 14 seconds <laughs> exactly. and, re- you know, it's the opposite.
1: It's the opposite. Yeah. It's like just letting it go, letting that control go and, you know, just letting it take you wherever it's meant to go.
0: When it comes to your, uh, the share gig, is there, I don't know if there's anything you are allowed to talk about or probably not.
1: Depends on what the question is. <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, is there ever going to be more share gigs?
1: Oh, gosh. That's one of those questions that I don't really know the answer to. And I wish I did. I wish I could tell you. Mm-hmm. But I actually don't know. Okay. Um, yeah. It's one of those i really hope so because that would be amazing because we actually got pulled off the road like you know like many other artists she was
0: not half retired when the pandemic started no, you we guys were, were out there with we were the going but... hard
1: we were supposed to, last year was supposed to be like one of our like you know uh most lucrative years like we were mm-hmm. meant to be out um again with 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 now rogers and chic and had a whole tour planned we were doing a national thing at the time and we got pulled off the road. It was like, we got told, yeah, we're you're going home tomorrow morning. And it was like, I was devastated. I just knew from that moment forward that, like, it was going to be different. Like, mm-hmm. life was going to be different. I just remember, like, sitting in, in on the bus being told we had to pack our bags and everything. I just started bawling. I'm like, you know, the crybaby. And I was just aware in some weird way that things were going to be different from that moment on. And look, we had to, like... You know, sacrifice a year of our lives really mm-hmm.
0: you know since you guys got like you had to disappoint some people that had tickets to a lot of shows right? and because Cher seems to be the type of entertainer you're not around as long as she is unless you really care about the people that listen to you right yeah so uh, it just feels like unless she's got on a completely different vibe during the pandemic it's like I don't miss this shit at all She's gonna wanna satisfy the people that got disappointed. Yeah. That wasn't I hope her fault.
1: So. I really hope so, because she is someone who is always up to really cool projects, whether she's like saving elephants or like she was doing um Joe Biden's like campaign, like mm-hmm. still performing out on the road with him. Um She's always doing cool things and that's why I feel like maybe we're not done. But I really have no idea. I'm certainly not her spokesperson. I've no idea what they've got planned for next year. I love the idea of it not being over. She's uh an enigma. Mm-hmm. She just keeps going and going and she she's amazing. She's in incredible shape. She sounds in, she sounds amazing. She's up there dancing, looks great in her little outfits, like she's a superhero basically. Mm-hmm. So it would be really awesome for that to continue, but at this point we're all just waiting for the green light, you know?
0: So, speaking of that, whether that happens or not, what would be your wish list? Like, you have got, like, between Cher and CeeLo and Filter and, and the cover covers here at these casinos in Vegas, which to some people listening in a small town in Germany might sound like the coolest thing ever, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, like, if you just get to be unashamed and like, Ask the universe for the coolest gig on the planet that you don't have. I'm yeah. not saying you don't have the coolest gig on the planet. No,
1: I, I the, the coolest, like my but dream. What, time, like, what would you like to do? I would love to be doing a late night show, mm-hmm. like that. That's always been like a dream of mine, because mm-hmm. you get to do so many different things, so many different genres. It, it's like your whole life in a little tiny, concentrated mm-hmm. morsel. You know, bringing together all the styles that you're that you've experienced and it just seems like it'd be so much fun and i think like going back to the, the latin tv show that i did mm-hmm. that showed me i love doing that type of work it mm-hmm. was so much fun and i was actually subbing for my friend jen uh overly mm-hmm. who's also she's total also my total doll your friend and a, and a badass i love her so yes. much we're big big Jen fans um so she recommended me for that. Mm-hmm. Um I was subbing for her and it just opened up this whole other channel where I was like, "Whoa, I really love doing this. This would be so cool to do like as a as a full-time thing cuz you're not touring. You get to be in one place which is nice, you know, mm-hmm. to get to have like something in your backyard that is um you know, it's just a little bit more secure, mm-hmm. you know, to know that this is my late night show and I'm going to be doing this for a little while. Like I love that idea. Mm-hmm. Of just having something that's always changing. There's mm-hmm. always new music, new guests. You know, it's like you're on the edge of your seat the whole time because it's literally going to be a different show every night. I love that.
0: Well, you put it out there very clearly when I asked the question. So now, whoever <laughs> needs to know has been told I would love
1: that. telepathically.
0: <laughs> Yeah, um, let's
1: make it happen. We're the one living.
0: thing I always thought about, if you're on a late night TV show, because me being from a different country, a lot of the stuff I did over here with certain artists, nobody could had a way of seeing it or it wasn't always on YouTube. Or So I just figured if you're on a late night TV show, people you love that live really far away can see you every day. Mm, so true. that's like the added benefit I've thought of. That's so like, true. Yeah, you know, like... If you have a grandma or whatever, and they live yeah. somewhere else, you just go, well, just, I'll be there tonight, you stare at me. That's like yeah. the benefit, I feel like. Yeah,
1: that's like the, the ultimate dream for me, I
0: think. Yeah, there's been some, and there's been some late night bands too, that that have really, I mean, from a bass perspective, I feel like that have been, you know, Will Lee certainly, you know, mm-hmm. just, I don't know how long he was on, on The Letterman Show, probably yeah, 30 or incredible. 20 years. Yeah, yeah. And I remember growing up and always like he never looked like he was reading his chart. He was always like, you know, beating the fuck out of his bass and like yeah. it was. It never was too TV, you yeah. know.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, we covered all of it, didn't we?
1: Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Oh,
0: thank you for for doing it. And just to let everybody know we were gonna do in the hot tub, but <laughs> we're already recording this on a on an iPhone, and I was like, it might be a little noisy, and there'll be water around, yeah, but too that's it's how terrifying. serious this interview was. We were <laughs> almost gonna do it in the hot tub. So, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we'll catch you guys next time. And thanks to uh, Ashley and Chris for uh, for this. Yeah, that, that cutie. Yes, and for letting us use your home.
1: Oh, because everyone so else pleasure. got to
0: use it too now. They're it's tired awesome. of like me talking to people in coffee shops and stuff. So
1: anytime. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you.
0: I hope you guys enjoyed this hang with Ashley and Chris Reeve. I actually have quite a few episodes recorded that I just need to edit, so I am very much hoping that there won't be such a long break before I get those going for you guys. Also, if you are enjoying this tiny little podcast and you guys wanna help out, the uh, ways to do so are the normal ways. I got Venmo, I got PayPal, I got Cash App all connected to the Lowdown Society, the info can be found on the page as well where the podcast is hosted, which is on Podbean. I hope you guys are checking back in when I come back with more episodes. And if you feel inclined to do so, do the whole rate the podcast thing or feel free to write me a message if you have comments or suggestions. I will see you shortly. Until then, keep it funky, keep it low, and we'll see you right back here on the Lowdown Society podcast.